I'm Robin Crane, and this is the Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way podcast. Listen, I was a financial advisor for over a decade, and I got so sick of the old archaic strategies that your grandpa used to get clients. What the industry teaches today is still so outdated and just doesn't work anymore. So I had to find a better way for myself, and then I got obsessed with sharing these how-tos with other women like me. The stuff I teach doesn't require giving up your life, your sanity, or your family time. I want women like you to have it easier than I had it, so you can thrive in the industry. I've now helped thousands of women grow their financial businesses to multiple six figures, some even seven figures per year. So on this podcast, you're going to get an inside look at how they did it so you can do it too. Let's dive into the show. Welcome back. It's Robin Crane here with Lori Barkman. And um, I'm really excited about this because she does business transition and helps. Um, she's an owner of an M&A firm. And if you're an advisor and you don't know much about transitioning businesses, or you don't know much about exit strategies, or you don't know much about succession planning, and I know you probably do, but if you're missing out on that, you're also probably missing out of a big pool of amazing clients who would love your help because they need a lot of help when it comes to transitioning a business from the advisors. Um, so understanding that and helping you get clients like that and keep clients like that um, and find more amazing business owner clients to make you a lot of money and help you let you help more people. Um, we got Lori Barkman here. So tell us how you got into this. Cause I know one of the things on your bio, I didn't even say your bio, but um, you, uh, Lori is the former CEO of a hundred million dollar revenue company with an exit to a fortune 50 company. So that was extremely impressive to me when I read that Um, MBA. uh, She's a business transition Sherpa and she's just done so much with businesses and and like, it's just incredible. So tell us a little bit about your journey and how like the advisor kind of fits into all this. Robin, thanks for having me. This is such an important topic and I'm super excited to talk with you and and have your audience listen to what we are thinking, because this is hopefully going to help them, like you said. Um, How did I get into all this? Yeah, you mentioned one of the really main things. Most of my career was in organizations from small to big. And when you get to a size of 100 million, and I was that division was part of a larger entity. The whole entity was part of the transaction and not just the division that I ran. So it was a much, much bigger transaction than I ever thought I'd be part of. Uh, it was public information. It was sold for a billion dollars. And crap. going were you, through, sorry yeah, to it was, but were you um, an owner or the CEO? Because it could be the same. I was, I was not the owner. It was a third generation company, over 100 years old. Huh. And I was brought in from the outside and part of a succession plan to run one of the divisions. And the company was in the logistics space. And uh, it was... It, it was a really interesting story. I was so happy for the family. We all were. They're a third generation company that went through a lot of innovation and change over the generations. And unbeknownst to them, a, a big company in that space had been watching and paying attention to what they were doing for years, but we had no idea. And that is one of the main things that I like to talk about and, and have consideration with owners is that they you just never know when someone's going to come knocking on your door and it's the right fit. So why not prepare for that day? Because not only will it help you achieve more um, value from your hard work, but also it's going to help you run a better, more enjoyable business along the way anyway. So going through the M&A process was really really part of it. And I worked in private equity for um, a bit and I was on the other side of the table making deals and I realized I really like the deal side of the, these um, entrepreneurial conversations. And 
how to help an entrepreneur reap the benefits from all their hard work over the, over the years. I work with privately held companies in the lower middle market from, let's say, a million to, to 50 million. It's a pretty wide range. And Stony Hill Advisors is, is the name of the firm that I'm affiliated with. Um, I am not the founder of, of that company, but I'm you know proud to be part of it. And we specialize in this lower middle market because we think there's a great opportunity in the experience we have in this space. It, it often gets ignored by the, big, by the bigger guys, if I can say it that way, in terms mm-hmm. of the investment banks. They're not, they're not typically working in this space, but that doesn't mean these business owners don't need the support to help them, you know, achieve what their goals are. So that's a big reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. I love that. And I would say from an advisor perspective, it's like, it is a big difference, like a million dollar company or a $50 million company that is a wide range. But I would say even for, I think a lot of advisors thinking, well, someone has a a million dollar company that seems like a pretty successful company. I mean, if we look at percentages, I don't know what, it's probably like 1% of the world or something. Like it's not a lot of people are doing that or a lot of businesses are doing that. And I'm making up numbers. You'd probably know the real numbers, but I think from their perspective, it's like, well, how do I showcase my value? How do I get in on that? You know, cause you're kind of like, they're ignored. Yeah. By maybe by the bigger companies, but it's probably business owners of that size, especially let's just say the 5 million, 10 million and beyond range were def- are definitely sought after by advisors. Like thinking like, wow, this would be amazing to have these type of clients if they're patient, right? Because they might not have a lot of cash like at hand until they sell the business. But how do you, from maybe from an advisor perspective, knowing what you know about these type of business owners and their needs and what they like and what they don't like, how would an advisor get that sort of attention so that they can build those relationships that are long lasting? So when there is an exit, when there is a transition, they get to help and be part of it and also kind of reap the benefits of that. I think the key word that you said there, Robin, is is relationship. If, if if an advisor is focused on the relationship and the bigger picture, the long-term advisory relationship with a client, that can go a long way. And, and to your point, when someone is just getting started in their business as a founder or a next generation leader taking charge of a privately held business in their family, it can take some time to get their feet underneath them and get some air underneath their wings. And some advisors might have a preference to only handle, you know, AUM or, you know, assets of, of clients that are of a certain size. And maybe it's a growing part of their business to take on clients that maybe one day can reach, you know, 10 million in assets or more. And business owners, if they're successful, could be a good segment for, for that type of client. Business owners want trusted advisors. I like to call it the the boat. Who's in your boat? The business owner advisory team. I have one client that I'm getting to know, and he has had accounting uh, accounting advisor, you know, tax advisor, law advisor, and he has not yet mentioned a financial services advisor to me, but he might have one as well. And he he talks with them at least once a year about strategic issues on his business, and I credit him a lot for doing that. He's in his sixties. He's been doing this a while. There's a lot of business owners I meet that have a lot of faith and trust in their in their the people that are working with them, either personally or professionally, and they they see it as relationships that they want to continue. And so, at times, with a financial service advisor, they might talk about how the business is doing, and they might say things like, 
yeah, you know, one day I might want to take some chips off the table. And my business, or they might say, I don't know what my business is worth. You know, what what part of my business in, is in my total net worth? I have no idea. They might say things like that. And so if an advisor is, is looking for those signals and those clues of how they might be able to add value, they could say, you know what? There's somebody in my Rolodex that I could I could bring into the loop. And somebody like me, I'm not saying it has to be me, but let's just say somebody like me. And what are my what are my uh, characteristics that they might think about from a center of influence um, that they might want to talk to? Well, for me, I work with business owners from transition to transaction, from creating value to letting go. So if they are pre-MA, right? They're not ready to sell yet. They're thinking about growth, they're thinking about how they might fund their future, how they might get from A to B. They often start with the question, what's my business worth? Well, I do valuations, right? We do valuation work to help them understand that. That can be a pretty big pitfall if they think that one day they're going to sell their business for $10 million, but but reality-wise of where they're trending and their trajectory for a variety of reasons, let's just say, you know, in this example, maybe they're really only trending to $3 million. Even in that could be a stretch for, again, a variety of reasons, which we could talk about. Um, well, that's a gap of $7 million. Now, maybe they have other assets, real estate holdings or other things that can help them with that nest egg. But a financial advisor is certainly talking with them about this big picture. You know, what kind of lifestyle they want to live when they are not working full time or, you know, what sources of income might they have, either passive or active. And their business, for many business owners, you probably might not be surprised by this, Robin, but... For many business owners, their business can represent 70 to 80% of their total net worth. That's a really big number for a lot of people. And it's not liquid. They can't do anything with it. It's a interesting number to watch and, and, and watch and curate, watch it grow, right? We want it to be as big as it can be. But at the same time, how do they unlock that value? So someone like myself, who also works on the mergers and acquisitions side, can talk with business owners and talk with other, their other trusted advisor about what do they need to do to make their business attractive to a potential buyer and transferable. That's a really, you know, there's a lot there we can unpack, but those two things, attractive and transferable, because ultimately it's about managing risk mm-hmm. and the potential benefit for the buyer. Well, I would, I would go back even just from the, again, from the advisor perspective, go back a step to like this value add you're talking about. And I think part of it is like having someone like you on the team, which is also a great way to think of it too, for, for advisors and think, Hey, I didn't think about having an M and a professional or, or what did you call yourself? M and a advisor, an M and a advisor. Yeah. M and a advisor, like on my team as a center of influence, as a COI, like everyone thinks about the estate planning attorney and the CPA and the lawyer. And like, like you think about these things, but like how many advisors are knocking on your door going like, Hey, you want to have a chat? Like I'd love to build a relationship and not that that's the best messaging, but like to have these conversations because there's so much they can learn from you for one, but also like to bring that value back to their client. And then when they get clients, obviously it's like just a very easy um, uh, win-win for both of you that you could be uh, referring to them. They could be referring to you. But one thing I was thinking about too, is like what you said when 
many business owners, we, we business owners are delusional, right? We think like we our business is our baby, our baby and yeah. we have uh, so it's probably worth like two times, 10 times, whatever we, we actually, what it actually is worth. And like this dream of like one day I'll sell the business without knowing like any sort of valuation or any sort of like reality to that. And then they come to like if a business owner and I was an advisor for a decade. So like, I know these business owners come to me and like their whole financial plan is like to sell the business. They have no idea what the valuation is. They have no idea if it's, you said, attractive and transferable, if they can find a buyer, if they can find a buyer when they want it, if they can find the right buyer, if they can sell it for what they want it. And they're putting all their eggs in this one basket. In the meantime, sabotaging their financial success because they're putting everything back in the business. And if you as an advisor and you're listening right now and going like, yeah, I've heard that before. Like they're like all about the business. And if they can have like a little bit less um, let's just say weight on the business and have more clarity by understanding what the real numbers look like. It also gives them a reason to invest in the market or invest in real estate or invest in other assets. So they're not saying, well, if this $10 million, what I think is going to be a $10 million assets, really only 3 million and Holy crap, I better go make 7 million over here. You know? And I think that's a conversation that again, like will immediately shine light on your value as an advisor. Those of you listening, like, to have these real conversations, to, to ask the right questions so they can be like, holy crap, I'm putting everything, like all my chips on one, what, what I'm so bad at, I don't know, poker, I guess, I don't know, but uh, on, my, on this one <laughs> bet, you know, like assuming that this is going to happen, and then if it doesn't, I'm completely screwed, you know? And if you can have those conversations, hard conversations, then it motivates them to start saving in other places and then also gives them a way to transition that's going to actually be effective as opposed to just like hopeful, right? I love that. I love that. Hope is not a strategy. Yeah. And a hundred percent of business owners are going to leave their company one day, but very, very few of them are prepared. Mm -hmm. And it's sad. You know, I have a client who recently passed away and he was in his sixties and we did not get as far in our work together as I know he would have liked. And it's a, it's a sad situation. And there are other stories like that where you hear about, you know, the surviving spouse. Now, what is he or she going to do with the business? And there's really good things that you can do with, with your advisors, um, like attorneys, like estate planning. It's the full picture. There's a difference between contingency planning, succession planning, and exit planning. And all of us can play a role in, in those things. But the growth planning is something that many advisors, it's not their swim lane, right? That's, they're not operators. They don't have that, you know, let's call it, you know, company experience and or it's not their role there. It's not their role, right? And they can advise. But again, for somebody like myself, yeah, we do, we can get a little more involved, you know, in that side of it on the growth side of it as well. And when it comes to growth, this is where I think a lot of companies, um, they, don't, they don't think about expanding their options. So one let me, option- Let me, is, let me yeah, pause for ahead. a second just to make sure we're all understanding this terminology. So yeah. I, I'm going to make, I'm going to test myself. I yeah. definitely don't have the best vocabulary, but we're going to check it out. Yeah. Contingency, I would assume means, okay, if something happens to me, this is the plan. Contingent upon something, yes? Succession, yes. it's more like, okay, who do I want to pass this on to if I can actually- you know, be intentional. Is it going to be my nephew? Is it going to be my son? Is it going to be just some outside buyer? Right. Yeah. Am I, am I right on this so far? Right. 
Okay, cool. Exit yep. planning, Good. I'm thinking it's like more like, okay, how can I sell this company for as mo- at, at the most that I can possibly sell it for and exit with the most amount of money possible, right? Like my plan is to, this is where I'm getting confused, I guess, about the growth plan is like, because I would think my exit would, my strategy around the exit would be, how can I grow my business to a point that's so scalable and sellable so that when I exit, I make a shit ton of money. So tell me the distinction between kind of the exit and the growth planning. And because I'm like, for me, I'm thinking the same thing when I work with advisors. If you're an advisor and you're doing half a million dollars in revenue and you want to exit, I would say exit in five years or something like that. And I can get to you to a million or 2 million. You're going to have a lot more money when you sell your financial business than you would if you just went from 500 to 550 or, or you know, six or 700. So I'm into the growth because I'm like, let's grow this shit. And then we can, you know, then you'll be able to sell it and have a much different retirement from that. Um, so how does, tell me how that differentiates from your perspective, the growth and the exit, and maybe all how all that ties in together. Um, because I feel a little ignorant in this, in this area. Yeah, it all ties together really well. If you think about exit as what's your future vision? Let's say in this scenario, we're 55 years old and we want to sell when we're 65. So we have a 10-year time horizon. And maybe we want to increase the value of our company by 5x. So we've had a valuation. It's worth a million today. We want it to be worth 5 million. How are we going to accomplish that? Exit planning is this work back plan. It's a way to almost reverse engineer where you want to be, you know, the lifestyle you want to live. Then do you want to just put your feet up on the desk? You want to be a chairperson? You want to be day to day? The succession feeds into that because maybe you're going to be succeeded by an outside hire, like a third party, you know, like my experience I talked about, um, or to your family, if you want to hand the baton over to, to someone in your family. So succession is part of that. Succession can be to the buyer, whoever buys your company. So succession is, is a little bit of a broader term. It could be internal or external. And you're right. Contingency is take this, you know, hammer and break, break glass at time of emergency. And exit, again, is this bigger picture. It's kind of the umbrella uh, around your personal goals, your financial goals, and your business goals. So that's where I often start with clients is we do an assessment of the business. What's the business today? What are its strengths? What are its potential risks that you could be facing that you have no idea? It's a good way to look in the mirror and doing it from an enterprise perspective. I help business owners understand um, valuation versus their peer group, you know, in their industry of relative same size. We look at comps and other things. And part of this, again, is assessing the attractiveness of the business, which is in the eye of the buyer. How can we see our business as if we're the buyer? It helps them just have that different different point of view. And in the private market, just probably worth pointing out, there's an infinite number of prices that we could put on your business. It's not like going to Yahoo Finance and looking up the share price. Mm -hmm. And so that's why if we can do this reverse engineering and think about who is the natural acquirer of my company? So not only what is my envelope test, if I was going to sell my company, what would it be? And I write it on an, an, you know, a piece of paper, I put it in an envelope and I put it in my drawer and I forget about it, right? And then if I think about also the natural acquirers, some of those acquirers might value my business differently. Mm-hmm. We can talk about the different acquirers that are out there by category. And just at a super high level, it's an, either an entity, a strategic acquirer, like another company 
It's a financial buyer, like many people are probably familiar with private equity groups, and there are other types also, or it's a related party, like uh, someone in the family. Those are the three main categories. Each of those categories will value risks and benefits and that investment opportunity differently because their lenses are different. So the value drivers and the risks in your business as they perceive it could be um, higher or lower depending upon how they look at it, which then means a higher or lower valuation uh, applied to your business. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And then the growth planning side? Yeah. So the growth planning. So let's say, again, we were at a gap. We were at, we're valued at a million today. We want to be, you know, one day we want to be 5X. So how do we get there? If it's organic growth, organic means it's within our control. We're trying to add to our sales team. We're, we're adding in marketing expense and budget and people and great ideas. And maybe we're launching new, new products that we've created. So those are things within our business. Those are organic. The other way to achieve growth is to be acquisitive, to buy companies. And if you acquire a company, it's, it's added to your base of value. So if we value your business at a million and you buy a company for a million, you're now, your entity is worth 2 million. Mm-hmm. So that's another way to have a growth strategy is to be looking for companies to acquire and integrate them into your business. Awesome. Awesome. So in the last few minutes that we have here, um, again, like I think just understanding this is valuable enough because to one degree, you know, cause you're like, okay, as an advisor, having this information, understanding what the business owner is thinking, what they should be thinking, what, what, what would be helpful to get them to think about, I think is already valuable because then you, you know, what questions to ask. And it's never about what you know, or what you say, it's typically about what you ask, but if you don't know anything about it, you don't know what to ask. Right. So this is really helpful. I think just starting to get the advisor to think about, well, what conversations can we have and what is their plan? And what would I ask in order to show that like, Hey, when we find these gaps, I can find someone to help solve those problems. Um, But I also think, like I said earlier, just like business owners in general, at least I can vouch for myself. I can say like, we're constantly thinking of growth. We're constantly, you know, most have the entrepreneurial mindset, like want to grow, want to grow, want to grow. And because of that, there's this tendency to sabotage the personal wealth side, because I just think I have this, whether it's true or not, maybe delusional, um, you know, viewpoint that if I just keep putting money back in the business, I can make it a lot faster than I could if I put in the market. And I think that's also just worth uh, considering of that mindset because um, so many advisors think, uh, are taught, I wouldn't say they even think it, but are taught that like the best place to invest is the market. <laughs> Almost like the only place to invest is the market. Well, typically if a business owner has been successful in business, the best place to invest is in their business or creating that business, you know, to uh, like maybe acquiring companies and getting to it a point where it's scalable and sellable so that when you do sell it, like that trumps any sort of, sort of market gain. And I think the awareness of that psychology and the way that business owners think and not making that wrong will allow you as an advisor to be able to ask them the tough questions and say, well, what if this doesn't work? And what if this doesn't happen? What's the plan B around here? And, and even if you, I always, I give this question to some of my clients. I said, like, let's imagine whatever you want to have for retirement. Let's say it's 10 million. Okay. And, and now you don't even have to know the number say double it. What would you do differently? 
you know, and if you had double the amount, whether it's an exit or the amount that you just had when the day you say, I want to have enough money for the rest of my life. And it was double. They're all going to come up with things they didn't think were, were possible that they can now do. And most of them are going to come up with a lot of things that are going to be about giving back and providing more value to someone else and, or maybe starting another company or something exciting like that. But there's always like a next level. And then it's like, you can now motivate them. Well, then wouldn't it be nice to have a nest egg here, not just the nest egg over there with your business. And now it's going to help motivate them to grow the business, but also grow the wealth. And I think that's a dichotomy that advisors really have to understand because you cannot convince a business owner to stop putting most of their attention on the business. And like you said, Lori, it's like, 70 to 80% of their wealth is coming from there. And you said it as like value, but I'm talking, it's really like 2000% because all my income is coming from there anyway. So to not make that wrong and then just be really understanding and, and open about the right questions so you can get them to see that they want to do both and what's the right balance for that so they can have the personal wealth that they want. So that's just my two cents on that. But um, anything to add around that before you, you head off? Yeah, I think that's great. And I think other part of that would be kind of cost of capital too. If investing means uh, are you going to use your own capital or are you going to be borrowing and with rising interest rates, obviously the cost of capital um, and what type of uh, ROI are you seeking? And when someone's in control of their destiny, like with owning your own business, there's a, there is a psychology to that, but also they may have that the financial returns or they have more of a line of sight to it and they're willing to take on um, maybe even a blend, you know, it's, I don't think debt is, is bad. I think debt for the right reasons is, can be good for a business. A lot of business owners think having no debt is, is, is the answer. And I, I don't advocate for that. If you need to borrow and it makes sense and you have, you know, you can service the debt, then that's not a bad thing either. Um, but I loved your points. I think you, I think you're spot on. And I think the value of an advisor who works with their business owner, a business owner clientele to understand their big picture and think about with them what their goals are and how they might achieve it and pulling other folks in. Love, like myself, I, I welcome the opportunity to talk to anybody who, who wants to connect. Yeah. Tell them how to find you for sure. I'm so tempted to say, like, I know it's Lori Barkman, but I don't know if you have little kids, but I have little kids. So I keep thinking Lori Berkner and she's like, oh. are the dinosaurs marching, marching. So that keeps getting in my head, but do not go to Lori Berkner. Go to no, Lori not Barkman. Lori Barkman. Um, it's you, B, yeah. B-A-R-K-M-A-N. LinkedIn's probably a great place to start. Connect, connect with me there. Let me know that you heard me on Robin's show. would love to talk with you. And also, uh, my my website uh, is a great place to find me. A shortcut is meetlauriebarkman.com. And that's L-A-U-R-I-E, barkman.com. Barkman uh, is actually easy to spell. Barkman, <laughs> Barkman, we got that Barkman, one. yeah, it's my married name and it's a great name. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks so much. That was really insightful. I think really, really good for advisors to start thinking about and definitely reach out. Don't be shy. I want to tell one more quick story. Like I, I saw... Um, Mel Robbins speak on a TED talk and she's at the time it was way back in 2000, the end of 2013. And she had like 5 million views on this TED talk. Do you know Mel Robbins? Okay. Well, she's really big now. Um, most probably listeners might know her, but anyway, she's got now the same Ted talk, like probably 29 million views. But at the time, at the end of her Ted talk, she said, if I can help you in any way, let me know and, you know, reach out to me. 
And there's 5 million views on this TED talk, but I was the one and who knows how many other people reached out to her, but I reached out to her and I said, Hey, Mel, you know, I saw your TED talk. You said, if I can help you in any way, let me know. And I reached out to her and I sent her a message and I ended up interviewing her for my book at the time and, you know, built a relationship. She wrote the forward in my book and all that, um, a different book in the end. But the reason I say that is because so many people listening, like hear that, but then they think, Oh, well, she's on a podcast. She's really big now. Like she probably doesn't have time. Like, I don't know if anyone's thinking that, but dude, like reach out to her. She's really open to have these conversations. And this is a really huge part of your business, especially if you want to work with business owners that you just having someone in your corner would help you so much. So make sure to reach out to her, have that conversation, see if she can be one of your centers of influence and you can be one of hers and it could be really match made in heaven. So thank you so much for being on the show and thank all of you for coming and checking it out. We'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>